of scripture. It's a little bit long. It's found in Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. It's a little long, but it's a story and you got to tell the whole thing. So uh, Luke 24, starting with verse 13, and I'm going to start by reading it now. This is later on Resurrection Day. Now, on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us. That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. In the church where I became a Christian as a teenager, the room where the youth met was called the fireside room. There was indeed a fireplace in there, although I don't recall it ever having a fire in it. We met there every Wednesday night, and it was there that we were able to go and discuss and argue theology which helped form me spiritually in a growing stage of life. Above that fireplace, there was a reproduction of a painting by a Swiss artist that might be familiar to you named Robert Zund. Born in 1793, he moved to Paris in 1852 to study under various painters. 
He was mostly a landscape artist, but in 1877, he painted the road to Emmaus, this picture that you see, in what has been described as the religious phase of his life. While the landscape looks more European than Middle Eastern, I have to tell you what an integral part this picture became in my spiritual journey. Seeing this picture every week of Jesus teaching those who followed him made me think about how we were learning too. I liked how it seemed that they are close friends. It reminded me even then that truth isn't always easy to understand and how much God cares about us knowing him. Somehow this picture brought me comfort every time I saw it, that Jesus was in the room teaching us too. I was particularly drawn to the road that they were walking on. Have you ever stopped to think about how many stories there are in the Bible where people are traveling? Moses and the children of Israel, David on the run from the king, Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem, the good Samaritan, Jesus carrying his cross and then the man who comes to carry it for him. God meeting Saul on the way to Damascus. There are so many lessons for us to find on the road going someplace else. God teaches his people on the way. Roads lead us to a new place. Or they lead us back to a familiar face. A road might have robbers on it. Or be a dead end. Or lead to a great blessing that causes us to stop and put a marker down and say, God met me there. The road is a symbol of being lost, of being sent, of being celebrated, and ultimately of finding our way home. Here the road is a place where Jesus meets two of his followers who are wrestling with everything that has happened since the crucifixion. Luke records before this that the women had gone early to the tomb and had met two angels on Sunday morning. They go back to tell the apostles with great excitement, but the apostles don't believe them, thinking that they're making up a story. Only Peter runs to see for himself, and then he's amazed at what he saw. So the passage we come, we come to now comes later in that day and is unique to the book of Luke. The, thir- the theme of every church service today is Jesus is alive, including ours. But from this passage, I want to point out two truths from this resurrection passage that help us know why today matters and for us to ponder on whatever road we find ourselves on today. So the first truth is this. Whenever we wonder if God is alive or where he is, we should seek scripture. Why? Because the followers on the road here didn't need to live in their sadness and disappointment. And sometimes neither do we. The travelers were headed home from Jerusalem after a very tumultuous time. Luke tells us that they were talking and discussing about what had gone on. The Greek here implies that they were doing more than that. That they were examining the evidence together. On the way, Jesus joins them, but they're kept from seeing who he is. And he asks them what they're talking about. And they stop. Now, all of us get this. How much do we say? Who is this guy? But they're so sad. 
They just stand there and look at him. Then one of them asks Jesus, basically, have you been living under a rock? That you don't know what's happened in Jerusalem? And they explain to him about the prophet sent from God, who is mighty in word and deed, and how their leaders put him to death. And here's the part that grips us. They say, we had hoped, we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. They put their hope in him, and now they don't even know where he is. I mean, the woman, the women told this story, and there were angels, but we don't know. So let's pause for a second here and ask ourselves, this morning, what do we expect from God? Sometimes it seems as though we want him to make all of our earthly troubles disappear, and when he doesn't, we get upset. Other times it seems that we're so overwhelmed by the darkness of the world that we forget that we serve a God who has victory already over the disappointments and the death and the sin. These two had hoped, along with many others, for a nationalistic savior who is going to redeem them out of their oppressive situation. We understand that. We totally get that. But this Resurrection Sunday, we have to think about what we're hoping for, what we're expecting. So many of the resurrection stories have to do with what people see. Why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? Who are you looking for? Jesus tells them, you're looking for the wrong thing. They need to look at what's already been given to them to find out where the life is. From his word, he transcends every human idea that we have about God. So Luke tells us, he starts with Moses and he goes all the way through the prophets and he interprets what was said about him. Now, Luke doesn't give us specific scriptures, but we know some of them. We can easily research some of them. But in Luke, the book of Luke, there are several that are mentioned. Isaiah 40, the promise of a forerunner. Isaiah 61, the proclamation and realization of deliverance. Psalm 18, the call to receive the one who comes in God's name and warning that the rejected stone will be exalted. Psalm 110, the promise of a shared rule with God and the exaltation to come. Daniel 7, the promise of the Son of Man coming on the clouds. We know also that the Old Testament says that Jesus is the Lamb of Judah, the Passover Lamb, the Son of David, the prophet greater than Moses, the King whose rule will never end, and the suffering servant. Jesus uses the scriptures that they know to make sense of their sadness, to make sense of their disappointment and what is happening around them. God's word brings life. So this morning, if you are here feeling disconnected from God, disappointed about what you think he should be doing, or something that you really wanted him to do, or if you simply can't find him, go to what he has already given you. Seek him there in the history and the stories and the Psalms, in the prophecies, the revelation and his teachings, in the writings to the church. God's word enlivens our souls. And sometimes we look in all kinds of places. 
except for the word that he's given us. I think because we think we already know it all. Oh yeah, I got that. I got the story. But scripture comes alive. That is part of the point of Resurrection Sunday, that every time you open the word, Jesus is there to help you understand what's going on, to convict you, to challenge you, to bring you assurance and comfort. It's alive. We have to do more than rely on our own understanding. Secondly, Oh, also, I read this week, sorry, that um, this is a really good quote, that the bridge between the two testaments is the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, what a cool thought. That through the resurrection, we understand the prophecies. We understand what's coming as we live in the middle. Oh, what a good bridge. Secondly, from this scripture, we see how Jesus is on the road with us, helping us to know him. Why does this matter? Because he wants to be known as he is, not as a God we make up, and because knowing him changes us. A while back, I was in a conversation in L.A. with a few other pastors, and we were talking about how things were going. You know, it's a work thing for us, right? Just like you, everyone has their work. How are things going? What's going on? I had met them before. They didn't remember who I was. And at one point... Um, one of them turned to another one of our pastors and said, yeah, I heard you guys had a transition. How's that going? Man, it's rough to get a new pastor. How's the new one? (laughs) There are so many things I could have done in that moment that I didn't do. I want you to know that. It was a weird sensation, I'm not going to lie to you, to be talked about and act like I wasn't there, to not be known, right? They didn't mean anything about it. It was Shannon I was with, and she almost said, well, you're looking at her. You might as well just talk to her right now. When they found out I was the pastor, I think they were embarrassed, but we all had a laugh. It was really funny. But think about this for a minute for Jesus. Because the two talk about him as if he's just another guy with them on the road. Instead of the maker of everything they can see, including themselves. They've described him as a prophet, but he shows them through scripture how he's the Messiah. And then he defines for them what that means. The essential frame that Jesus puts around Messiah is suffering. In verse 26, it says this, Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? His death had thrown them into anguish, yet he shows them how necessary it was for redemption to occur. We sing and we shout for joy at our salvation, but we always have to remember that it came at the highest price for the Lord. For most of us, suffering is a difficulty we absolutely want to avoid. In many ways, we live in fear of suffering. We numb ourselves against it. We use our resources to forestall it. We complain if we suffer just a little bit. And we even use prayer sometimes as a mantra against it. Yet Christ enters into our world, immerses himself, in our pain and sin, so to bring us salvation. 
He enters into our personal suffering with us and all that we experience, giving us a perfect model of what it means to trust the Father and to endure. Because of the resurrection, he continues to sit with us in our grief, weeping with us and being our constant companion. But at some point, he stands up and he gives us his hand and says, come, it's time. It's time for us to move on. Before Jesus is glorified, he must suffer. A suffering servant such as we see in Isaiah is not the earthly ideal we want in a king. So on the road, he explains why the Messiah had to die. God always corrects incorrect things about him. When we understand who God is, it brings change to who we are. The resurrection means gloriously that we don't have to stay the same people, that we don't have to stay in our old patterns of sin and shame. That's great news because we don't want to stay there. We want to see his truth. Imagine what would have happened if Jesus would have come up to them and they would have been like, oh yeah, we're by ourselves right now. Yes, see ya. Think about the scene if they would have argued with him, not accepting the truth that he was giving from the scriptures about the kind of Messiah that he came to be. What if they would have allowed him to keep on walking instead of inviting him in? They wouldn't have realized his true identity. In the breaking of the bread, their eyes were opened. At the table, there's intimacy and there's friendship. There's companionship along the way. They see him then for who he is. What a beautiful moment that God chooses. And it's when they see him clearly that everything changes. You see, one of the reasons why we know Jesus is alive and that there's power in his name is because of the change that we have experienced and the transformation that we have seen in others. A new person came to our church this year, and he said, Yeah, I now believe in Jesus because of my friend, because of the difference that I saw in his life. Man, I could not, that was a different guy. He was so different that I thought, There's got to be something to this Jesus thing, because this guy is not the same. And I was like, Amen, brother. You see, that's not something we can manufacture. That's the power of the resurrection. So here Jesus turns their lament into joy. When they have full sight of his truth, everything falls into place. And they say, were not our hearts burning when he was talking to us and explaining the scriptures? See, he reasoned with them with their mind and a whole new way was opened. Knowing Jesus fully, they couldn't wait to go and tell everybody he is risen indeed. What matters more, I think, than the road we're on is who is on the road with us on our journey. So what road are you on today with Jesus? If today you're disheartened like these travelers were with him, Easter Sunday is the best day to commit to find him again. Through all of the different avenues that he has given you, Resurrection Sunday is also a great time to recognize how Jesus has been on the road with you. So ask him to open your eyes to his presence, seeing how he has been carrying your burden or helping you. Ask him, 
Lord, what is it that you want me to learn from you on this journey? Because in his assurance, we find strength and confidence that we need to live. Luke beautifully captures the process of knowing Jesus here, which is the ultimate road we have been offered in this life. So in this moment of silence, I invite you to pray to the Lord, to talk to him about the road that you're on, and to listen, because the risen Lord is here to talk to you. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.